are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Victory Monday here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. It's October 19th, and the Dolphins, their first shutout victory since 2014, defeating the New York Jets 24 to nothing to move to 3-3 three and three going into their bye week. There's a lot that we need to get into, but the most pressing thing I will tell you today is that today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I want to thank our friends for Pepsi for helping support the podcast so that I can get on here and just spout off an endless stream of progress stats to everybody listening at home or at the gym or in the grocery store or in your car or wherever you are. That is the root of what today's conversation is going to be centered around is the word progress. And we're going to talk about another P word on the show, playoffs. Because at 3-3, three and three, mm, there's a lot that's sitting right ahead of the Miami Dolphins, especially when you take into account what the next six games look like for the Miami Dolphins. They're going to need some bounces of the ball that go their way. They're going to need more performances like the one we saw from, oh, say, Emmanuel Agba against the New York Jets or Miles Gaskin against the New York Jets, or Matt Hack against the New York Jets, or Jakeem Grant, who had a great day, against the New York Jets. Tua Tungvaloa, two for two passing in his first NFL experience. So much good in this football game. Some bad, some sloppy, but I almost like that. And, and, Let that be the first and most prominent cause and proof of progress for the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, they jumped out to a 21-0 lead. They had some explosive plays early on, the Adam Shaheen catch and run to set them up down there in the red zone. But generally speaking, the Dolphins didn't convert a third down on the entire day until Tua Tungvaloa hit Jakeem Grant on his second pass attempt to ice the game. Dolphins weren't good on third down. We got a little, I don't want to say complacent, because we did take a couple like play-action shots, the, the ball, that, the butt pick that Marcus May had down the field. I didn't think it was a particularly strong play on the ball by Preston Williams on that target. But like they, they took a couple shots at trying to break things open But generally speaking, run, run, pass, punt was something we saw a little bit more of in this game than some of our past games. The execution, not great in certain phases. And yet this football team still won 24 to nothing. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? First shutout win since a 37-0 win over the Chargers in 2017 when they were still in San Diego. First shot out of the Jets since an AFC championship game in the early 80s. First time winning consecutive regular season games in the same season 
by 20-plus points since 1990. 1990! Guys, I was one. I was one year old when the Dolphins last did what they've done the last two weeks to the 49ers, who, by the way, just beat the Rams, Miami's next opponent, on Sunday Night Football by eight points. And the New York Jets. With Miami not playing a very crisp game for the final 35 minutes or so of that football game. Granted, I think some of the urgency was gone when New York struggled to get past their own 35-yard line. And Miami was perfectly complacent or perfectly content to play field position game and say, okay, New York, go ahead, score points, and then we'll, put, we'll, we'll change our approach. They could. What, New York didn't get down to the red zone until the, the, their final possession, they turned the ball over on downs on fourth down. Anytime they got past the 50, Joe Flacco lost his mind and ran backwards and took a sack. The Miami Dolphins, as of this morning, this is a pretty telling number. Remember all that much maligned Dolphins defense stuff that we had early on? And yeah, they didn't play great against the QB power concepts against New England. And yeah, they sorely missed Byron Jones. They sorely missed Byron Jones. But the Miami Dolphins' defense right now, as of this morning, is third in the NFL in scoring defense. Third. 113 points allowed. The Miami Dolphins, 160 points is 14th in the NFL. They have a top half of the league scoring offense and a top three scoring defense as things currently stand going into their bye week. Their plus 47-point differential is the fourth highest in the NFL. Fourth highest. The Dolphins sitting at 3-3. Three and three. And you know what? Pro football reference, they have their own kind of metric to measure the, the quality of the teams. Their expected win-loss record for the Miami Dolphins based on all of their metrics and the cumulative play that they put on offense, defense, and special teams through the first six games of the NFL season is 4.2 wins and 1.8 losses. This Dolphins team had bad bounces of the ball in the first couple games. They played two MVP caliber quarterbacks in the first four games of the season in Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. And Pro Football Reference says, based on this sample size and everything that this team has put on display, the Dolphins still are much better than what their record indicates that they are. So good. Let the entire NFL sleep on them for another week. And the Dolphins come out of the bye against a a Los Angeles Rams team that got bullied and pushed around by the San Francisco 49ers last night. The Rams were a team that I was somewhat apprehensive about. I was a little anxious about the potential to play this team. But you know what? Rams are 4-2. and two. You know who the four Rams wins are against? The entirety of the NFC East. Which I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the NFC East is terrible. The Dallas Cowboys are the only team in this division with more than one win. And it's week six. And Dallas might lose to Arizona tonight to drop them to two and four. That would be a first place team in this division. Two and four would be first place 
in the division that the Rams have collected all of their wins in the NFL against. My goodness gracious, the fact that the Dolphins passed this test, they started fast, they got off to a hot start, they didn't play down to the competition, and once it was clear that, like, they can't move on us, they did two three-and-outs to start the game, the Jets did, neither one of those possessions lasted more than 59 seconds. Became pretty apparent pretty quick, and then the Xavier Howard interception, his fourth and four games. <laughs> if they if they want to get into a punting contest with us, that's fine. We're up twenty one points. So I don't I don't hate the fact that kind of like the Jacksonville game. Granted, th- this game got away from the Jets much quicker than the Jacksonville game got away from the Jaguars. But nevertheless an opportunity to look to improve and work on grinding clock, melting down clock, being effective in game situations. Like when you got to run the ball. And Miami, you know, ironically, they had more success when I think they were a little bit more spread out. Uh, But the Jets are a stout team against the run in general. That's not an easy team to run the football against. It's like the one thing the Jets do well. Uh, Dolphins had 110 rushing yards, which was their second highest total of the season. You take it when you can get it. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. It can be awkward or embarrassing. We usually just brush it off or blame ourselves or say we had a long day or we're not in the mood or whatever. But thanks to Roman, it is easy to talk about. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. This whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn, $50 off your first month of ED treatment. You guys want to talk about two-a-time? I know I got the tweets during the game. When's it going to be two-a-time? When are we going to see two-a? They could put two in the game? They got to let two-a pass? Man, I'm going to be real pissed if they just put two in so he can hand the ball off. Well, they didn't. The Dolphins went run, pass, pass with Tua Tungvaloa in the game. Uh, The first three downs. uh, The Dolphins taking over possession inside their own 10-yard line. Looking to milk and finish the clock. And I think that's impressive because they handed the ball off on first down just to kind of get his feet wet. And then from the shadow of his own goalpost and, and rolling to his left inside his own end zone. They let him throw the ball twice. The mobility looked good. He looked quick. Rolling to his left. Through that little dot. Patrick Laird, first career completion. Put that away for trivia someday. And then he ran the hook route to Jakeem Grant to get the first down, move the sticks, and then we milk the clock, and that's it. It's game over. 
thought too is the arm looked fine. Thought the mobility looked fine. I'm more impressed and encouraged that the Dolphins chose to put him into a challenging situation. This wasn't, oh yeah, you're taking over at the 50. Oh yeah, just hand the ball all three times. No, they said, forget that. Tua, you got two, a minute and a half left. Go finish the game for us, but you got to throw it from your own end zone. We're going to try and work to get the first down. We're not just going to run it three times and punt it or kneel or any of that bullshit. Go get us the first down and kill the game. And he did. Really encouraged by, obviously, you, you anticipated he was going to look good, right? But it was the dynamics of his appearance and what the Dolphins were willing to put on his plate that stood out the most to me. Defensively, Manuel Ogba's been a beast, guys. Uh, he has been a absolute delight to watch rush the passer. He's long, and he's looking like a, a, a bargain buy and steal for the Dolphins. So as I look on both sides of the ball, obviously the, the big storyline on offense is Tua, and the Dolphins had 300 and something chain, yards and change of offense, and so it wasn't a lot of offense, so the Tua storyline is obviously going to be a big deal. Um, defensively, Emmanuel Agba, the pressures that the Dolphins were able to generate, you anticipated that coming in against an immobile quarterback in Joe Flacco, any bad offense in the New York Jets. The Dolphins obliged, though. Uh, they, to their credit, did their part going out and preventing the Jets from surpassing 260 yards, 265 yards of offense. The Jets only had 13 first downs in this football game. And they had 148 yards of passing. And here's a fun little stat about the Dolphins and... 150 or less yards conceded in passing. 148 net yards a week after allowing 128 net yards against San Francisco. It's the first time since 2010 the Dolphins limited consecutive opponents to 150 or less net passing yards. And that came against Tennessee and Chicago back in 2010. It's been a decade since we've seen the pass defense be as proficient as it's been since wait for it, Byron Jones came back. Which really illustrates the value of putting all of the pieces in the secondary into their envisioned roles. It's a big deal. Dolphins were completely unafraid of the threat of the passing game and just decided we're going to tee off. It's one of the things we talked about on Friday as far as building the game plan to beat the Jets. Trust yourself to out-athlete this team. New York says, okay, we want to uh, we want we want to send a couple vertical shots and try and loosen things up early. Mom says, go ahead, that's fine. We don't think you can stack us. And they couldn't stack them. And then it became playing within the box. And when you play within the box and you play press and you can crowd and you're better athletes than the receivers that are trying to run the routes, nobody's open. You send the extra man, which the Dolphins did a lot of in this football game. You get home, and sometimes it's the organic pass rush of a guy like Emmanuel Agba winning and getting home. Christian Wilkins played one hell of a football game against the Jets. 
the the pass defensed, the sack, stacking the edge and setting the edge against the run on the run game, the leap over Brandon Jones. And as a fantasy owner that was playing against the Dolphins' defense yesterday, thank you to Brandon for dropping the interception. But any, literally any other week from here on out, I'm going to say I wish you caught that football. <laughs> it always sucks, right? Like playing against, playing against players on your favorite team. But in reality, at the end of the day, real world trumps all, which is why I'd have been thrilled for Brandon Jones if he caught that football. I wish he did. Kind of low-key glad he didn't because of the dynamics of this week specifically. But wouldn't that have been like a perfect cherry on top defensive touchdown for this this defensive effort that these Dolphins put forward? I'll leave you with one more defensive statistic about the Miami Dolphins uh, through the first six games of the season. The Dolphins have the NFL's best third down defense in football. I will say that again, through six games, the Dolphins have the best third down defense in football, allowing conversions on just 31.3% of attempts. This thing is starting to come together, and it's starting to come together. Kyle Van Noy didn't play yesterday. Andrew Van Ginkle went out early with a concussion. Sam McGuavin was able to step into a big role. Camus Gruger-Hill had a hand injury. I don't anticipate he'll miss a lot of time. I anticipate with Kyle Van Noy with the groin, uh, we should see him back because it's a week. He's got a bye week and then another week. He's We're talking three weeks of healing time. If he's not back in time for the Rams, you would expect he'll be ready to go and can travel with the team to Arizona the following week. Van Ginkle, the concussion, hopefully it wasn't severe. Obviously, you want to be careful with head injuries, but if he clears protocol, there's a very realistic chance Van Ginkle could clear concussion protocol and play a game this Sunday based on the severity of the concussion. They obviously have a bye, so we should feel really good about the potential of getting him back. Devontae Parker was listed as questionable to return with a groin injury. You saw him kind of grab at it uh, on a contested throw that honestly should have been picked. I didn't think Fitz played his best game yesterday either. Uh, he had another, threw two picks, and he, he should have had two more, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the one target to Devontae Parker on third down, and then the target to Mike Gusecki in the red zone, in which uh, it, it was just a matter of missing an underneath defender. I don't know if he was expecting a route on the other side of the field to hold that zone defender and keep that window open or what. But he tried to put it on a rope, and if you were going to go that way, you were going to have to try and get it up over the B level and drop it in over the top. And that would have been a tight window because that would have given over top coverage a chance to break on the ball. So Fitz didn't play a great game. Nevertheless, we digress. Shout out Adam Shaheen. Give it shout outs now before we transition to our final talking point, which is playoffs and playoff dynamics at the Dolphins at three and three. Adam Shaheen, three receptions, 51 yards and a touchdown. It's second consecutive week for a touchdown for Shaheen. I'm telling you guys, more 12 personnel. Give me more two tight end sets. Give me more Shaheen. It's one of the things that we talked about this past week. Was hopefully finding ways to work more Shaheen in. And he and Smythe kind of it, split it 50-50. And, and tip of the cap to Durham Smythe. He got a touchdown this past week as well. 
first career touchdown for Durham Smythe. A guy who generally plays a thankless role. Anytime you can give those guys an opportunity to kind of get their feet wet and score a touchdown, you're happy for them. Dolphins spread the ball. Preston Williams, touchdown. Durham Smythe, touchdown. Adam Shaheen looking great. Give me more Adam Shaheen in line, please. Last shout I'm going to give. Matt Hack, believe it or not. Kind of been a a hit-or-miss performer for the Dolphins uh, to this point in his career. But Matt Hack has been terrific this season on special teams. To the point in which he punted the ball seven times against the Jets which is more than what we'd seen from Matt Hack in, in like um, the last three weeks prior to that combined. Matt Hack punted the ball seven times. Six were fair caught. Five of them were downed inside the 20. Three of them were downed inside the 10. Matt Hack showing some really nice touch on his punts. Come for the football commentary. Stay for the punting commentary just as you all probably expected. So here's the book on Hack thus far this season. He's punted 22 times. Uh, the seven punts he punted yesterday was equivalent to all the punts we saw in the last three games combined between Jacksonville, Seattle, and San Francisco. 22 punts. He's got 10 of 22. Almost 50% have been down inside the opponent 20-yard line. He's had six returned thus far this season. Six punts returned out of 22 punts for a total of 43 yards over six games. Terrific numbers. And like I said, him using the kind of the the pitching wedge as of late to kind of get that ball with some backspin so it kicks inside the 10 or the 5 and it doesn't roll into the back of the end zone for a touchback. He only has one touchback on the season, and it came in week one. Matt Hack, in a game like this, the Dolphins, honestly, quite frankly, we talked about the trust they showed to Atungavalo with have, asking him to throw twice inside his own 10-yard line. The Dolphins and how they chose to attack the backstretch of this football game showed a lot of trust in Matt Hack to not spoil the field position advantage that the Dolphins had in simply keeping them pinned down for the entirety of the game. And he did not let them down. Got a tweet from somebody this week that uh, this weekend that said they had joined the Built Bar Club, which I'm super excited. And if you have not made the leap with Built Bar, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And I genuinely mean it when I say these things are delicious. They are up to like 18 to 20 different flavors. They've got something for everybody. You're talking 200 calories or less per bar with up to 20 grams of protein per bar. Whether you're looking for something that's keto-friendly, something for after a workout, or just a delicious snack, Built Bar can be that product for you. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order at Built Bar. So it's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off. Swing over and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Playoffs. We want to talk about playoffs. The Miami Dolphins enter week seven on their bye at 500, three and three. 
We are a third and nine stop against the Buffalo Bills at midfield from potentially being four and two and being in sole possession of first place in the AFC East by a game and a half. That did not materialize because we didn't have Byron Jones. We didn't get that stop on third and nine, and the Bills scored a touchdown to push the lead to 11 points. Neither here nor there, because the Bills play the Chiefs tonight. And everybody's expecting the Chiefs to win that game, so that would push the Bills to 4-2, and two, which means they effectively have a game-and-a-half lead on the Dolphins. ESPN's Football Power Index has already updated and provided playoff odds for the teams. The seed projections, courtesy of Seth Walder of ESPN, currently give the Dolphins somewhere around a 10% chance to win the AFC East currently sitting at 3-3. Three and three. The New England Patriots are sitting somewhere around, I'm just kind of roughly adding up the numbers, 20% chance. The remaining 70% odds go to the Buffalo Bills. But the Dolphins, after six games, 10% chance to win the East, and you extend that down into their playoff odds. They have a 10% chance at being the 7 seed, a 6% chance of being the 6 seed. So the Dolphins, you're literally looking at about 30% odds right now to make the postseason, and that accounts for the rest of the landscape of the other teams, and more specifically, what their schedules look like. And that is where the big story lies for the Dolphins. Because as you look at the forecast now, as we get ready for uh, the bye week and this 10-game sprint and race to the postseason. Uh, the Dolphins have a forgiving schedule relative to what they've just played over this stretch of time in the first six games. Miami's next six games, home, coming off the bye against the Rams. Two Arizona to play the Cardinals. Home against the Chargers in Denver, in New York to play the Jets, home against the Bengals. We've just watched the Dolphins beat three teams that have been perceived to be equal or better than by three scores. Each one of those wins by three or more scores. You look at the Rams, we've talked about where they've pulled their wins this season. The Cardinals are 3-2, and two, but the Cardinals' victories this season have come against San Francisco, who Miami already beat, the Jets, who Miami already beat, and the Washington football team, who just lost to arguably the second-worst team in football in the New York Giants. And if the Giants are the second-worst team in football, then that makes Washington the second-worst team in football. So that's where Arizona's wins have come from, and they get a chance to play the Dallas Cowboys, and we've talked about how bad the NFC East stinks. The Chargers, who have one win. The Broncos, who are 2-3 and three and just shockingly upset the New England Patriots this past week, which is freaking awesome. The New York Jets, who we just saw how bad they were. And the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 1-4-1. One, one. That's the next six games, guys. I don't want to sit here and say that this team is going to go 6-0 and over the next six games. But there's no game on the schedule for the next six games that Dolphins fans should look at, or this Dolphins team should look at, and be like, ooh, shoot, I don't know if we can win that one. 
These are winnable football games. I'd like to see at least four and two over the next six, which would put the Dolphins with four games left at seven and five. If the Dolphins can do that, and you've got two West Coast teams coming out into South Florida in the Rams and Chargers, you've got two potential top five picking teams in Cincinnati and the Jets, a Denver team that has still lost its three best players, and the Arizona Cardinals. It's all out in front of the Dolphins, guys. And I know the the Week 2 loss against Buffalo was one that hurt largely from a divisional implication standpoint. And imagine if the Dolphins had that game in hand. We said, yeah, we lost to the Patriots Week 1 in Foxborough, and we lost to Russell Wilson. Damn. See, that Bills game, it still hurts. That was one I really wanted because of some of these optics. But with that said... We've talked a lot about progress, the progress the Dolphins have made. The next step of progress for the Dolphins is beating a team in a close game and expecting the Dolphins to beat every team on their schedule that they're going to collect wins against by, what, 14-plus points is not realistic. The Dolphins are going to have to play a close game, and they did this last year, but this is still a new team. Dolphins didn't learn how to win close games last year until midseason. Well, we've reached midseason because the next time the Dolphins play football, it's going to be week eight. Very different flavor to this team. If this team can start closing close games this year to the degree in which they did last year around the same time, playoffs is not out of the question for this football team. I'm inspired not just that they've won three games, but the fashion in which they've won three games. They're not playing down to competition. They are willing to let game flow dictate their urgency at times. Particularly the second half or the fourth quarter against Jacksonville, the second half against the Jets. But, generally speaking, the Dolphins, when they're playing teams that are perceived to be equal to or worse than Miami, do not let it stay close. Now, let's play a team that's perceived to be a little better than Miami, and let's win that close game. And if the Dolphins can do that with any level of consistency, look out for this Dolphins team. Let them sleep. Let them sleep on us. That's fine. Because if the Dolphins get to the final four of New England, Las Vegas, Kansas City and Buffalo at 7-5 and five or better. This team's making postseason. I'll tell you right now. So that's a magic number for us to search for. 4-2 and two over the next six. And then 2-2 two and two over the final four. That should get you into the postseason. We need to watch for the Browns. We need to watch for the Colts. We need to watch for the Patriots. And we need to watch... For the Las Vegas Raiders. Thankfully, Miami plays the AFC West. So both the Broncos, if the Broncos decide they're going to try and make a push, and the Raiders, those are games that the Dolphins will have in hand. They play the Patriots. 
one of the wild card spots in the AFC is inevitably going to go to the loser of Baltimore versus Pittsburgh in the AFC North, which leaves two spots. And the teams that we got to look out for, Indianapolis, Cleveland, New England, and the Raiders. We played two of them. You take those two games, you get your head-to-heads, that plays to your advantage. Now you just got to outrace the Colts, and you got to outrace the Browns. And here's the good news. Ready for this? The Colts, they're currently sitting at 4-2. and two. They're on a bye this week, and then they come out and they play the Lions. whoop de freaking do Their next four games after that, Baltimore, Tennessee, in Tennessee, on a short week on a Thursday, Packers, Titans again. Oh, and then they play the Raiders, who are one of the teams that are also jostling for position, and they play the Steelers. Four and two over the next six games, guys. Let's do it. Hope you guys enjoyed. Power to the pod tomorrow. Your questions, your topics, we talk them here on Locked On Dolphins. Keep it locked in. Vibing into the bye week at 500 after a frustrating start at 0-2. Your Miami Dolphins on the upswing. This ain't your daddy's Dolphins. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Dolphins. I hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.